Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey, Soil Cousins. It's your girl, Cola B. Talking, the hostess with the mostest. And I am very happy to have your ears. And you know what? I'm going to tell you why. Because I have actually broken this down in talking with my Plant Kiki cohorts. And speaking of the Plant Kiki, that is, it's been on a little hiatus, but you know, your girl has had a lot on her plate. And it's all connected, as I like to say uh, all the time, because in this conversation that you're getting ready to take in, you'll get a, a, a better understanding. But, you know, that's just a teaser to keep you listening. You're going to listen, right? Like you you definitely here for this. Obviously, you tuned in. So the reason why I'm so, I don't take it for granted, I'm so grateful to have your ears is because consider this. When you're listening to a podcast, generally, I imagine a lot of people do listen in their cars, but people listen in their earbuds, right? So that means if you are indeed listening with uh, earbuds or headphones or whatever, something that close to your face. (laughs) Like if I were to stand right next to you and talk and I like stood like right at your ear, you would be like, girl, get the fuck out my face. You see what I'm saying? Like you would not let me stand that close to you physically, yet intimately, all right? This, This is what we have. (laughs) <laughs> you have inserted your your device into your ear if that's what you're doing or you know you've placed that that close to your face and you're taking this in. I mean, this is how I think about these things. I really do get into the nitty-gritty of details. So that's why I I do all the things that I do. But having said all that, welcome again to Black in the Garden. We have a really dope episode in store today. I mean, all of them are really dope. Don't get me wrong. We have a two-part episode. Well, is that what it's called? There's two parts to this conversation is a better way to say it. And I, I, at first I was like, okay, we'll just figure out a way to take the, the one conversation and, and mix it into the other one in order to preserve a one episode. But it's like, nah, actually, Let's let's just give it the full amount of space because it was so incredible. I don't want so much to be cut out. And it was also a conversation with my good friend, Alexander Hardy, who I have known for like 14 years, which I mean, when you just live in and, and friending and all that good stuff, you're not necessarily counting. And then you look up one day and you're like, well, damn, you've been here for a minute, huh? So it's one of those. It it truly is. Because to say that, to even calculate that, it's like, wow. So for those of the OG soil cousins who have been listening to Black in the Garden for a hot minute, you might remember me saying, I remember, um, you might remember me saying, um, I be doing this all the time, that French flies, French fries do not influence potatoes. I remember saying that on an episode and I actually had got a letter from a soil cousin who was saying, you know what? That was one of my favorite things (laughs) that I heard. 
um, Black in the Garden. And so the the author of that quote is going to expound and, and wax very beautifully with us. Uh, he is a writerly person, as he likes to put it, a.k.a. he's a writer. And so we're going to be discussing the article that he wrote. He's also a new plant parent. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, he's just dope. It's This is Black in the Garden, right? So, you know, it's it's the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. And this is one of those uh, moments that so many of us who are like plant enthusiasts, <laughs> plant enthusiasts, y'all know this this concept, you're familiar with the concept of having a friend who don't have plants and then one day they call you up and they're like, so I got a plant and you're just like, oh my God, our friendship is deepening. And so it's kind of one of those. That's how we ended up here having this episode. Alex is very much a staunch advocate for mental health and wellness and so it's so incredible that he is, you know, starting his plant journey. He's a new plant dad. And we will definitely have another conversation on Black in the Garden in the future with a, a new plant mom. I just love, I love that. I just, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, if we're talking about plants, I'm good. So that's what's going on with Alex. He wrote an article actually on uh, what his relationship has been like with his new plants, you know, being a writerly person, just being in the lane that you're in and finding a way to uh, to emphasize the importance of plants or whatever it is that is bringing you joy in that avenue is, it's amazing to be able to do that and to really, you know, fulfill what it is that you're on the earth to fulfill. So I know it's winter still, and I hope everybody is, you know, being very intentional about not rushing around and, and trying to do the absolute most. Because we we should understand by now, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, that that's just not necessary. And we look to the plants to know that that is true. All right. And so, you know, remember the spirit of the bare tree is upon us. All right. And also get into this segment from Dr. Haley coming up where we're going to get into a little something something with her on the Garden 411. Uh, those of you who are around my age or or older or whatever who um, can appreciate a good Mary J. Blige reference track, whatever, uh, we took a little snippet there. Shout out to Jerome, my editor, who uh, put that together. And uh, it's really cute. I mean, it's just very simple. We just want y'all to know that we give you some 411 tips on what you could be doing seasonally to uh, be great out there in the garden. If you're out there in the garden, if you in the house with your house plants, then, you know, some of them might not have made it. Um, there's some funeral services that I'm aware may be taking place, may have taken place for deceased plants that have gone on yonder. And, you know, that happens. It just happens. So don't be sad. Don't feel like it makes you less than the plant parent that you would like to be. Just do the best that you can with what you do have. So I'm just, you know, like I said, I am thrilled to have the opportunity to continue 
being your crossing guard of the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. And I've said as much as I need to say just to welcome you into Black in the Garden and let you know that great things are in store on this episode. This is part one, which is actually a conversation that we had very recently. Um, I'm so excited because we even got to discuss the song by Ari Lennox called Grounded, which that song means a lot to me. If you're anything like me, then it means a lot to you as well. If you haven't heard it yet, pause it, pause this, like seriously, pause this and go and listen to that track. It is like less than two and a half minutes long. You're going to be blessed. Shout out to Ari Lennox. Somebody tell her we was talking about her so she could come on the show. Okay. We, we definitely are excited about having, uh, you know, a, a celebrity guest, if you will. And, and, and there's no shame from me in saying that and having that desire. So there is that. And we're going to get on into it, keep it moving, keep it pushing with this episode of Black in the Garden. It is part one, which is actually the sequel. So part two is going to include the interview that we actually did a few months ago being last year. So that's why this is, that's why it's going to be called the prequel. So that's pretty lit, right? Right? You're into it. And let's keep it going. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. And here's the Garden 411. So what's the 411, huh? All right, so Dr. Haley, some of us in our garden explorations, especially in books or in just hearing things in passing and researching, may have heard about things like green manure or cover crops. Can you kind of help us understand what that is? Green manures or cover crops are plants that are grown in the beds or the areas, the planting areas that you have that you're not actively growing crops for consumption or for use. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're done with your tomatoes and peppers and what have you, and those planting spaces become barren, there's nothing there. As I've said before in other segments, any open or bare soil will grow something. So you need to either occupy it or cover it. It needs to be mm-hmm. working or it needs to be put to sleep with a blanket of mulch. Oh, right? I love that. Tuck it a in. blanket. Tuck it in. Um, <laughs> and so if you're trying to build soil, cover, cover crops are an ideal solution. So while mulch does feed the soil, absolutely, it's not going to provide the amount of nutrients that a cover crop will. Cover crops mm-hmm. are really rich in nitrogen for the most part. Nitrogen is what gives you good leafy growth. And there are other yeah. nutrients in them as well, but chiefly you use cover crops to ensure that you're replacing the nitrogen that was lost by the crops that you grew already, particularly if you've mm-hmm. grown leafy things. Mm-hmm. We plant them at the end of the season, let them get in there and take root, uh, and then we cut them back before they flower. When you do that, when you cut them back before they flower, and that can be with a lawnmower, that can be with a weed whacker, depending on the size of the space, it could be by hand. You can till it in. I'm a no-till kind of chick, so I don't till, but you can put a layer of compost right over them and bury Mm -hmm. them. You can cover them up with cardboard and deny them water and light, which will kill them and put them you know, back into the soil. 
There are a number mm-hmm. of ways you can do this, right? But the benefit of a green manure or cover crop is nutrition first, feeding your soil and building soil, but also weed suppression. So it will compete with the weeds and keep the weeds from taking over. The third function of a green manure or cover crop is to prevent soil erosion, particularly if you're planting on an angle, on a slope. So if you have a hillside that you've planted or something like that, I have a little bit of a slope in my backyard. So never, ever leave soil that's on an incline on a slope bare. It'll wash away. Mm. So the plant, oh. roots, right, the plant roots will hold on to the soil and keep it from eroding. So you always want in a sloping environment, you always want to plant something. Never leave the soil bare. That's a major key. Cover crops are perfect for that. And some cover crops that you could use are legumes, any kind of peas, faba beans are really good, mm-hmm. sweet peas, beans, any kind of legume, a bean or a pea will fix nitrogen in your soil. It's, it, it fixes nitrogen to the roots and then you either turn it into the soil or you let it decompose naturally. Clovers are That's excellent it. for this. Rye, mustards, but be aware that mustards can, they don't play well with certain other plants. So mm-hmm. you may not want to use that. It depends on your area and what you're growing. Buckwheat is a very common ground cover. And there are things like minor spinach, Claytonia, which is edible. And people use it in their um, salad. Ooh. Mosh or corn salad. That's another edible that you can use as a cover crop. And that way, when you go to cut it back, you're cutting it back and then consuming it. So all of those things can be used to feed your soil. All right. So good afternoon, good evening, or whatever time it is, wherever you are. We are glad to have you here on Black in the Garden with Alexander Hardy, writerly, writer person extraordinaire. This is a follow-up to our original interview that actually happened last year. It was a completely different administration, if I recall correctly. I felt like 600 years ago. I mean, really, it did. So just jumping right in, Thank you for taking this time. Thanks for having me. I've been the place to be. Okay. Yeah. Say something we nice. Didn't, we didn't made it into a whole new calendar year. It's happening. You know, time is just doing what time do. And who is we to feel like we can influence how that goes? Look, let's just jump right in. Okay. Because I don't think that I properly introduced you. I know that you're not like that chest thumping type of dude that's all out here trying to let everybody know who you is and why they need to respect your name. But I can brag on you. You, my friend, I've known you for as long as I've known you. We ain't going to get into all of that. It was Mm. for the internet as we know it. Mm. Today, it was my space. (laughs) Let's just keep it 100. And since then, you've written for Esquire, The Root, Very Smart Brothers, Ebony, and Jet. Did you write for Digital Jet or like the digital Digital Jet, the one that be uh, everybody's aunties, right? Not coffee, not coffee table Jet. Oh my god! Because you can't just have one Jet magazine on the coffee table. It's got to be like a spread. At least six. Was that just that? Was okay. That wasn't just me. 
for your open shit. And even CNN and Food and Wine, Vice, HuffPost, Cassius, which I love. That, that's a black ass publication, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Love all of that. I mean, there's more, but who has time? Y'all go ahead and get into all of that by visiting thealexanderhardy.com. So, you know, speaking of being all writerly in things, Alex recently wrote a very compelling article, Deeply Rooted. Remember that? What Plant Fatherhood Taught Me About Caring for Myself, for Mike.com. And of course, you know, me being Black and Planty and you being my homie and we had already talked. I'm like, well, let's just talk about this. I know we did it, the interview, but hey, this needs to be unpacked, if you will. Let's start by talking about what your experience was like in the formulation of this. Was this something that you decided, hey, I want to let the people them know how plant fatherhood has changed me? Were you asked about it? Like, how did it come about? I had worked with the editor, uh, Rajul Punjabi, who's an amazing editor, over on Vice.com on a vertical they had called Tonic. It was about wellness. She reached out. We reconnected after she's she's been over at Mike for a while, and she was like, "Yeah, I wanna I wanna like you know I want you to let's let's do some things." And so we we went back and forth on, over a couple of different ideas, and yeah, writing about my relationship with plants and how it what taking care of plants and keeping us all alive up in here has what that has been like for me was something that I proposed like in my list of ideas. So we kind of went back and forth and refined it a little bit. It went from there. And we are very grateful to have received such a gift because, I mean, let me just say this. I have been a fan of your writing. Like, I know I'm your friend, but my remembrance of how I came to know you and how I even became interested in in pursuing friendship with you, I was a fan first. I was Mm. just like... I'm cackling, I'm gagging, but I'm also very much like the wit is sharp. You know, you out here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you out here being a whole plant dad. Like, we've come a long way. And let me also just say this other thing. I have to say this about interviewing friends. It's challenging for me. I mean, I I ain't nobody's Oprah out here as much as I may strive to be. But interviewing friends, it can get a little tricky for me to try to stay on track and, you know, try not to dig too deep into our vault of private things, right? (laughs) So I say all that to say that, you know, I'm glad to know you. I'm glad that we're here. Me too. I'm proud of you too. Oh, thank you. I mean, you, you don't seem, we don't come a mighty long way. Mm. (laughs) Mm. The stories I'm telling you, they're, they're very colorful. I'm not gonna get into one of my favorite stories because let's let's stick to the let's stick to the um, because it is a gardening show. Yeah, that's what I said. I gave the disclaimer. Yeah, so we didn't come a mighty long way, right? Let's go back to when you first started writing. Mm. I remember you wrote you. I know you wrote for high school. Yes, you didn't write for high school. You wrote for your high school high school newspaper. Yes, the Fairfax Bethel High School, Hampton, Virginia. And that was interesting because. If I remember correctly, you said that your pen name was like not your actual name? No, it was my name. All of my articles didn't have my picture beside them. I was always opinionated and I just wrote things that riled folks up and people would be like, what the fuck is this? And there were some controversies. But that is how I like learn about like how to write an article. Our journalism teacher, Ms. Her, who was my English teacher in ninth grade, she was the one who was like, hey, I'm teaching journalism. 
you should come through and you should join that, you know. But like, you know, the structure of an article, the elements of news to laying out the actual newspaper on the page and all of us having to use the different software, PageMaker, I think it was at the time, to do the layouts and sell ads and do pictures and do captions. We learned every aspect of that process. So that's how I like learned how to write. So you learned the for real way. Yeah. Were you writing for high school before you were writing online? Because... Yeah, no. Graduating in 02, I wasn't doing any of the Facebooking things because I didn't do the college thing. So I didn't start writing for the internet until I got on MySpace maybe in 07? It was 06. Six, oh six, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was my first foray into internet. Particular way of remembering what year. <laughs> oh six, that's fourteen years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe no. It's still early. We'll call it fourteen. So, wow. Do you remember the first gig that you had as a writer that made you feel like a legit writer? So my first like thing where somebody was like, "Hey, I want you to write for me," was soulbounce.com. I wrote something on on my blog and it got a bunch of, it went, it did a lot of things and they reached out and I wrote for them for a while. But then I reached up the courage to pitch to Ebony. And so I wrote for Ebony.com on the website. And that was a very affirming, like, okay, my first, I feel like an actual writer now. I got paid to do this thing. And that was what, that's a, that makes a difference. And from there, it, the ball just started rolling. Another moment that made me feel like a writer, writer was when I got published in the print magazine. That I think, I, I don't even know, maybe 2017. And... They have a Ebony 100 where they had like, you know, they do a bunch of profiles of Blacks of Note. And... I feel like I missed that. And I'm like halfway ashamed. But I mean, shit was hey, happening in my hey, life. You, like... you was on the road, baby. But I wrote maybe, I don't even know how many of the hundred. It was a lot. Was that prof- that was profiling? They're like blurb, blurb kind of profiles. I got to write about St. Demita Joe and use the phrase St. Demita Joe. You know? Who is St. Demita Joe for the uninitiated? That is Janet Demita Joe Jackson, first of her name. But I got to use that in writing. Like, I got to write a blurb. She had just done her album. I think she was getting ready to go on tour at the time. So it mm-hmm. could have been like 2016, 2015, something like that. But getting published in Ebony and seeing my name like in print, that was, that was, that was popping. And it's got to be something about being what I like to call an elder millennial born, you know, mm. early to mid 80s. Seeing your name in print. I mean, I don't know if it hits the same with people who are more so initiated into digital media. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ebony Magazine? When was the first time you remember seeing an Ebony Magazine? I just feel like it was something like that was just always there. It was just on coffee tables in abundance with the jet. What about in the bathroom? Did y'all, were y'all we don't, that? We weren't that kind of... Y'all weren't that, that, that wasn't the culture of your family no, to have we reading no. materials? No, because they would think about all the nasty hands that's touching that magazine, and we would think about it like that, so... I never um, thought about it that way, but perhaps that's because I'm unwashed. <laughs> no, but they were just always there, and I think actually that's how I felt like I was able to make my grandmother understand what I actually did, because like writing for the... Oh, I write articles for internet. Yeah, okay. But like, I can actually open up an Ebony magazine and show her my name. That's different. You just hit a pain point for me. What a disconnect though, right? Because once again, going back to being a millennial, a Black millennial at that, and having Black-ass parents who are very much, what, like baby boomers, I guess, mm-hmm. trying to explain that your work is based on the internet in any way. I tried to explain it to my mom, like literally yesterday, I was talking with her and I was, I mean, she understands 
that is a podcast, but I'm not sure that she totally understands what that means. So I'm trying to kind of like hit her with an entry, an entry point that I tell people like when introducing their parents is, is it's kind of like a radio show and just go from there. I don't know why I didn't just say that. They can understand that. Yes. I should have just been like Tom Joyner, Ma, and a few steps off of that, but you know, I'll come back. (laughs) But Tom Joyner, but like on the computer and the phone. Thank you for those tips. And for anybody else who needed those tips, if they're you trying to explain the reason why what you're doing is not just loafing on the internet, these are tips for you. Because also some of our parents are also like, my mom is pretty savvy on like, she knows what the apps are and she can download things and she can do the cash app. And, you know, parents know how to order Amazon. Parents know how to, they know how to get on there and do their online shopping. And some of our parents are more savvy than we may give mm. them credit for. So like they they can understand the concept of an app as far as yes. like, just like you go download walmart.com app, go download yeah. this podcast app and listen to my stuff. You know, what's really ridiculous is that I hadn't set them up to make sure that they can actually listen. My parents have not, I can't say that my parents have heard any of Black in the Garden. So this is interesting what turn this is, this conversation has taken, but like, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm really into it because it's all relevant. You know what I'm saying? We'll get into the plants now by going back to your grandmother, right? Because I know we already talked about how that was part of one of your earliest memories of plants. And she's Panamanian, right? Obviously, you're of Panamanian descent. Mm -hmm. So I want to tie this all together because one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, I know you spent some time in Panama. Do you remember the plant life there? I think that when I was in the city, I probably experienced them the most as house plants in other people's apartments. Out the city, of course, there's foliage hanging over the road when you're on the, on the way to the beach and all, you know, all of the things that are near the beach. Now that you mentioned it, I probably wasn't paying attention then. I was plant blocked. Plant blind. Oh, plant blind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't even, I, yeah, because and I wasn't even like in a settled space to like have them in my space because I, I was in someone else's apartment. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not about to jazz this place up and do all these things. <laughs> I just know that it was just always a lot. Uh, I mean, it was just so green. So even if you don't remember, even if you couldn't say, oh, I can identify some of this, or I remember particular types of trees or right, right. whatever, you can remember the lushness of that environment. Yes, yes. You know, really colorful gardens in front of businesses and homes and, you know, in medians. It was a really a special thing. Now let's get into the article, right? We, we're coming around. I know what I'm doing, y'all. I told y'all we was going to get there. So being of Panamanian descent, right? And then you mentioned when we're talking about, you know, your experience in Panama and that sense of like not being really attached to anything because you didn't have your own personal space. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what you get into right at the very beginning of the article. Once again, for those of you who wasn't paying attention, it's in the show notes, but Deeply rooted, what plant fatherhood taught me about caring for myself. Straight out the gate, I moved the last box into the Casa de Joy. Why did you name it Casa de Joy? And what is that? I feel like Joy is like the brand. I just feel like that's what I'm trying to manifest up in here. That's what mm-hmm. everything that I, you know, all the furniture, the bright colors, the blue, the yellow, the the reds in the room, the blue, the blue bed, like everything is about joy, the plants, the food. It is about joy. I just want to like have that at top of mind when I... For sure. That is very important. Of course, hashtag get some joy is 
really a platform of yours. I'm not sure what to call it besides that, but it's very much a way of of you prioritizing mental health and making a platform out of that. Is that a good way to describe it? And yeah. so I wasn't surprised when I read Casa de Joy because I'm like, duh, Joy, yeah, that's what he does. I mean, you didn't waste no damn time getting right into it, saying my first priority was acquiring a set of houseplants after years of surviving and navigating homelessness in shelters and other people's sanctuaries and hell holes. So mm-hmm. that indicates a mm-hmm. wide range of different experiences and not even trying to dig in so much into like the shittier parts of it. But I mean, of course, like I said, me being a homie. That I, was I, the nicest way I could say it. <laughs> <laughs> without I trying to these you, people are still some of the people are still in my life you have a way of wording things that makes it like you know when you're reading your eyes are going left and right and it to me it's like it just it goes in and it just sounds so smooth and I don't know how to explain it I just know that it's dope but you go back and you're like wait a minute he just said a lot like the fuck if you think about it, especially if you have any familiarity with environments like that then you could just recognize that, damn, your boy's been through a lot. And so what I love about how you indicated that is coming straight out the gate with vulnerability. Was that difficult for you to be vulnerable? I feel like I would be lying if I didn't just say the thing. And also, as far as that particular period, the homelessness and all the mental health struggles that came with that, I am actively working to like not regard that time, how I showed up in the world, how I didn't show up in the world through a lens of like shame. And it's not something that I'm proud of or that I'm glad it happened, but I learned countless things about myself <laughs> during that period and during that experience in the, in the shelter, going through all those raggedy things and during all those horrible, those horrible days about myself that I would not have learned otherwise if I got to New York and things were smooth sailing. Like who knows what my path would have been. Guess some joy would not have happened if I didn't end up in that shelter. Ooh, we're saying a lot. Oh my God. Cause I mean, I've, I'm having some similar experiences with being transitional is what I call it. And, and that's kind of like a low key cute way of, mm-hmm. of indicating that you're either homeless or you are on the verge of it. In transition goes a long way is yeah. one thing. And two, let me just say that I can say this now because I'm, I'm firmly planted on the other side of all of that fuck shit. At the time, I was open about my mental health struggles, but like I was never coming on my podcast saying, "Hey, y'all, this is Alex from Extraordinary Girls. I'm I'm coming in live from the shelter." Like it wasn't that kind of party. The keeping it together and the, all of that stuff was the work and the struggle of it all. Like doing the events, being public, taking pictures, and, and you know showing up and going to events and coming back and feeling bummy and all those things. That is the work. But like I feel like find your own boundaries with your vulnerability that work for you. Mm. and don't always feel compelled to like hey y'all I, I woke up with a rat on my pillow today like you don't gotta you you, know, you don't have to <laughs> you don't always have to be to that degree but like just one thing that came to mind is that like as hard as I was working and as much as I this is again in retrospect in hindsight speaking if your shit looks all the way together people won't know that you need help and so if you, if the pride is, is make is keeping you in that, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, I'm good. Like then like people will, people may wonder like, mm, you know, there's different ways that that can be received because yeah. one of the things that's a concern for me is that it can be received as you're being fake on some level. And I don't like that. I mean, that's not like a big part for me, but at the same time, maybe fake is not the best way to put it, but disingenuous on some level, it's not like you're obligated to share your struggle. You're protecting yourself. 
the too. public. Yeah. So, oh gosh. So vulnerability I mean, is a spectrum, also. Ooh, can you speak more to that? One boundary that I had to set for myself after writing about being depressed and fucked up for a long time publicly, one boundary that I had to set for myself is like, yes, people know, okay, yes, deals with mental health issues, anxiety, has suicidal ideations. I'm open about that, absolutely. But there's a difference and also some clarity that comes with like not writing about the thing while you're in the hurricane still. That is important. And I um, think that that really helped me just in this moment to clarify why I have not really gone into significant detail about exactly what I've been experiencing. And those of you who have been with us at least since the beginning of season three, then you heard me indicate that I fucking needed help. You just spoke to a lot. You know, I'm just like, oh, let me keep it together. Let's get back into the article. Right. And wow. I mean, still on the same kind of note, I want to read my favorite part. Let's see how far I'll go. As I regain my footing and continue getting to know myself outside the lens of trauma and brokenness, the daily joys and routines of plant parenthood keep me rooted. I marvel at how they react to and reflect love and neglect. Mm-hmm. Let's unpack that. That is brilliant. That is indicating, look, things are happening. I'm just trying to hold on here. and. The plants are just, they're keeping me rooted. Did that just flow? Like, did that just come out for you? Or do you remember writing that part? The rooted image was something that I was just trying to keep forefront because all the plants that we got in my mom and my grandmother's house, they we had them all for 15, 10, 15 years. Them some plants. So for me, that means you are in one place. You are not going to have to pick up and go. And so for, for me, that just I just always wanted to feel like, yeah, I need to feel anchored to the earth, like, you know, anchored to this place as quickly as possible. Speaking to being rooted directly speaks to that. Yeah. The part about like the daily joys, for me, that's that morning routine. Mm. Just like taking that time to like spritz them and, and turn them. And for a long time, I used to just want to feel like I could have a sense of control, you know, over my life, over, you know, how much I was smoking or my attention span or my financial situation. And so like those things just kind of reinforced, again, just that that sense of permanence. Absolutely. And so I just went back to that part. I mean, this article is just so beautiful. Every time I read a different part. I'm like, ah, oh, the language. I love it. You said it quickly became clear that not even the deepest steakum stuffed deep freezer or the flyest plastic covered couch, which we just got to give a shout out on this black ass show to a plastic covered couch. Shout out to the plastic covered couch. These are the references. I'm like, it just comes across. It's blackity black. That I know that's another thing that you you got t-shirts on that. So none of that stuff could bring about, could bring joy to a greenery-free residence. So a family of resilient, depression-proof potted housemates was essential to turning this apartment into a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. I put a little extra on on when I said sanctuary, but (laughs) how many plants do you have now? Right now, I only have about five. I've been getting hesitant as the winter toils on to add to the family because I'm like, I have a few that are not doing well at all right now. So I'm like, let me just pause the plants until the sun returns to the sky and maybe they'll blossom again and open back up. But we have five. You took a plant pause and that's on the plant nook. That was an episode that recently came out, but you know, it's related, but we're talking about this. You took that pause. 
You didn't want to be an irresponsible plant dad, a dead plant dad, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. it's like getting a bunch of women pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Not that that's your ministry, but <laughs> getting a bunch of kids, bringing them into the world, and going on about my business. You see, that's just not cool. So let's go back to what I just said because that's what it reminds me of: marveling at how they react and reflect love and neglect. Let's just have a moment of transparency, if we could. You mentioned that some of your plants are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. What are they reflecting right now? Like, how are you and how is that correlated to how your plants are? I'm trying to, A, I was warned really early in my plant journey not to be buying these pretty tropical plants because they become needy and they 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 just, things don't be working out. That's the first thing. But I bought two. The two that are struggling are both pretty tropical. But they're reacting to the, the change in weather. Uh, I've moved them all away from the windows. But the heat of the radiator, that strong, aggressive, like Listen, heat that was one steam. of my favorite parts, actually. You told me to get a, a humidifier, so I got that, and I keep that pumping. I just don't know what it is that, is it just a seasonal death that they have going on? Is it, do I need to be praying over them or doing... You could try that, too. Rhythm know. Nation choreography or, you know, like playing Jackson for them. You should definitely get the Rhythm Nation chore. I don't... The choreography, the Rhythm Nation... Just, like, do it for the, for the plant, you know? I mean, I just, think that's better than talking to them because here's my logic there. When you do the Rhythm Nation choreography, and if y'all haven't figured this out by now... Alex is a Janet Jackson stan. I don't know if that's the word that you use, but just... Enthusiast, enthusiast. Assertive enthusiast, sure. The choreography, you're going to be hitting the floor, you know, in a very rhythmic and aggressive way. Yes. Which is going to cause vibrations. Yes. That I believe the plants will respond positively to. I agree. Thank you. I don't just be saying stuff, I received that. I received that. Please, yes. So take that in. And do with that what you need to. But yeah, I love what you said. You were talking about the radiator cooks the air with sporadic aggression. I felt that. When I read that, I was like, it's like I could see it. You know, it's like I could see the radiator as just being this angry thing. You know. Taking all the moisture out the air. Shout out to you for leaning in with your intuition, but also not being too proud to ask for help. I mean, of course, I know this is not just me. A lot of people listening who are plant enthusiasts who get to have their friends go from not having no plants to having some plants and then asking them about plants. It makes you feel a, a, I don't know, an indescribable sense of like pride to be like, (laughs) okay, child, this what you got to do. Uh Uh-uh, don't get that type of soil. Uh Uh-uh, you got to get a, you know, like giving you the tips and giving you the plant tea or whatever, and just making sure that you are best equipped at becoming your best plant loving self. The advice is so valuable because when I search for like such and such care, croton care, purple waffle care, three sites will give me three different strategies. As much as I encourage y'all to consult with Auntie Google for things, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, I've never really encouraged anybody to consult with her for plant care. She not actually the best for that. You would do better talking to your real ass auntie, a real person. Mm. Have you spoken to any family members about your grandma, for example? One time she asked me how many I have, but, and I told her five and she laughed and said, you'll get there. I wonder, what did that mean? Meaning I I got about 20 more plants to go. Before you can get like her? Get on her level. Yeah. Before I can get on her level. No, her, her, like her, 
sunroom is first of all she added the addition onto the house or the she, place it's a sun slash sitting room but it's it's pretty much for plants because again her thing was like she wanted to feel like she was in Panama and so she has a a big fountain in the corner this was like probably more in the 90s I would say uh-huh. up, to, up to the maybe 2000s or so but fountain in the corner with like water coming out of the fish's mouth with a big elaborate tail and viney plants hanging down and just all types of things all along the wall i'll see if i can find a picture molas from panama the different tapestries made by the indigenous people from panama and so when she has her parties and when people are over there like we eat out there it's just a big open sunroom with hella plants i mean i'm low-key offended and shout out to lucretia our guest from episode one of season three hella plants is her thing Yo, I'm low-key offended that, like, y'all was kicking it. This was pre-Rona. You knew I like plants. And you all up at Grandma's house experiencing all the splendor of her plants. And you didn't even bother to send me a picture? I'll produce a picture for you. As writerly as you are, I just want to see a picture. Because, I mean, your words ain't going to be able to really summarize in the way that me gazing with my own eyes would. So right. it's all good. It's all good. So I would like to kind of wrap this up with a meditation. The meditation being this adorable bop by Ari Lennox. I hit you before we got started and I was like, did you hear that? Was that new to you? Had you already heard it or? I had not and it was adorable. What was your first impression hearing it? I just thought it was beautiful and black as hell. I think I saw that it was for a bookstore or something like that. Actually, it's for, if I'm not mistaken, it's for grounded.com. It's for a Black-owned plant shop. That makes sense, right? Right, right. Yeah, if I heard that, I would I would definitely want to know like what, what it's about. At the end, she said Black-owned. Black-owned, like, yeah, I heard that. And it was she, she's adorable. She said, when your living room is ugly, come and get a tree. I'm not going to try to sing. I'm not ready. Okay, okay. We're, we're not at that level yet. I'm talking about, you know, my soil cousins. We're not there yet for me to be singing to y'all. Let Ari do it. She's a professional at that. Yes. <laughs> But obviously, the name of the song is Grounded, and it starts out, you'll grow once you're grounded. And like that's why I'm like, that's the meditation. Speak to that. I feel like we could surmise, but summarize that for us. Like, what does that mean to you? You'll grow once you're grounded? Yeah. Or is it just literal, like, just... No, it means the world, because it feels like my, me, but it also, at the same time, feels like a different person. It feels like a lifetime away. I think a lot of that shift for me and in terms of being able to see what I'm capable of professionally, creatively as a writer, how I'm able to show up for myself, how I'm able to show up for my friends, for, you know, whomever, for my partner, for my collaborators, the difference in feeling like I'm able to wake up and have a good day, the difference in feeling like I'm, I'm capable, I'm able to execute things and envision things and imagine and feel all these things like it's because I'm fucking rooted in one place. Years and years and years and years just of so long, just not being feeling able and things just not feeling possible. I'm in a a whole phase of meeting this other person who is operating in the black versus trying to survive in the red. Wow. I'm not really sure how that exists on YouTube because when I first saw it, I literally was just cutting on YouTube and that was the first thing that came up as an ad. It didn't feel like an ad to me. It just was like, well, this is for me, obviously. That's how good they are. In all honesty, though, like I don't really watch a lot of plant videos these days so i don't know how they came to that conclusion it's fine i've been watching a lot of self-help type of stuff but it's fine but yeah they still know what they're doing they know because i do log in under black in the garden anyway oh Hmm. how how could they know 
How could they have figured it out? How could they ever put that together? I don't know. I say all that to say that the video is animated. It's so gorgeous. A pothos or two. Now there's a debate. It's a polarizing Mm. ass debate Mm. going on in the plant community about whether it is pothos or pothos. Maybe we can just let Ari settle it for us. She says a pothos or two will erase your blues. Wake up and see majesty palm trees. My heart feels warm. So thank y'all. Thank you, Ari, for that. And of course, if if you're listening, that means a whole lot as well. For those of you who have suggestions for Alex as far as what plant he should be adopting on his journey towards becoming a more fruitful plant daddy, how can they reach you? I can be reached at Alex Gotta Eat on Instagram, on the Insta. And thealexanderhardy.com, Chris Alexander underscore on the Twitters. So I want to close out by doing what I do at, at the end of any interview. Wishing you love, light, and soil. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. Yes, that felt like it needed to feel. Uh, it's, it's so great to be able to be vulnerable and to be transparent. It is incredible to be able to talk to My friends, it is just really dope to have friends who are doing amazing things and out here, you know, trying to have positive influence. And uh, so much was shared in in the ways that it was shared and the the way the conversation went and it flowed. I am very proud to be able to have witness to it. You know, it's it's dope to have this uh, as a platform. And, you know, it's it's centered around the plants, but ultimately, as you probably figured out by now, if you've been listening to this show, OG Soil Cousins, as I like to call it, then you understand that this show is just as much about the people who have the plants as it is about the plants. And, you know, us as Black people, especially, I'm trying to talk over the loud car in the background. <laughs> As black people, especially, our our stories really do need to be told. I just posted on my Instagram uh, stories the other day. Just was, you know, down to the Dollar Tree trying to get a snack or something. And um, I, I, I always go down the garden aisle. And when I went down the garden aisle, I took a little picture of the the box of gnomes. They're all white. Not, I didn't say all right. They're all Caucasian. Okay. Now, for those of us who, you know, that's our jam, then, you know, okay. But it would have been interesting to see like a variance, variation of color in the gnomes because, like, yeah, sure, we want to see black gnomes. These are like fan, fantasy type of creatures. I can't think of the word that I'm really trying to say it's like a mythical creature right and so they could be really any color and so it's just very interesting to me that they appear as european as they do but you know as i've said when i interviewed on the bloom and grow radio podcast which you should definitely go and check that out uh that interview from last year as well as i did a two-part episode with two girls one plant and that episode also came out last those episodes came out last year and I mentioned that um, those podcasts that I just mentioned are hosted by white women 
and, you know, white women who I adore and respect, uh, especially as peers, you know what I mean, in the podcasting game. But they wanted to speak with me about my experience as a Black gardener and a Black podcaster. And that was one of the things that I mentioned was like, y'all, this is how we know that as much as Black people are doing this, the inclusivity is not there in so many ways when it comes to us being represented. So uh, Black in the Garden is doing this and that for all those reasons. You get what I'm saying. I know you get what I'm saying because if you're listening this far, that means you're a favorite. <laughs> you a favorite, okay? So this was the sequel to the prequel, meaning, simply meaning, that this episode was recorded after the original conversation. I just had to talk with Alex again, just because, I mean, he a homie, but I just had to talk with Alex again so that we could discuss the article that he wrote. We did it. We discussed it. You heard it. And we did have a conversation last year before, you know, when I was originally recording all the episodes, uh, recording all the interviews. So we had a, a great conversation last year. And so that is the prequel. But um, I decided, look, let's just do two parts. We're not going to cut all that stuff out. I already said that at the top. So I'm saying all that to say, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be ready. Be prepared for the prequel as it will be airing on next week. I'm getting so excited. I'm looking forward to Black History Month. If I'm not mistaken, this will be the first episode of February the one that's upcoming, yeah, it will. It'll be like, yep, the first Tuesday of February. So we're going to kick it off in that manner. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And I've said, I've said quite a bit for this to be the end of the show. So I'm going to, I ain't going to hold you. You know what I say. And y'all tune in, get into the show notes so that you can get all the details that you may not have uh, been able to take note of yourself. And I'm going to wish you love, light, and soil. Soil Cousins, I appreciate you. Peace.